0: All right. So my guest today on the program, she's about to take off, like literally take off into the sky. Oh, you'll see. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out.
1: lives away.
0: of my guest today on the program, Clea Anise. Let me tell you a little bit about Clea Anise. So the Calgary-born Clea Anise is about to take flight in two very specific ways. Her solo career is blooming, and the release of two new singles from her upcoming album signal that it won't be long before her music is soaring through headphones across the world. It also won't be long before she's soaring across the world in an airplane. Not sure what you did during COVID, but Clea got her pilot's license. By the way, my plan was to finally read Charles Dickens' Bleak House. Spoiler alert, I didn't. An artist of mixed race and multi-ethnicity, Clea was raised by two very artistic parents, She talks about her background in this interview, so I'll leave that to her, but let me give you some background on her music. The cello playing Anissa's name might sound familiar because she was the co-founder of the beloved Canadian outfit Raleigh, who won an alternative album of the year in 2018 at the YYC Music Awards. Over the years, Clea has shared the stage with Unknown Mortal Orchestra and City in Color, and she's done session work for Astral Swans, Wood Pigeon, and 100 Mile House. Her solo work is a stirring blend of swirling indie rock and dreamy, sonorous pop that's filled with wisdom, grace, and resolve. Her voice is hypnotic and arresting, and her textured arrangements are as ravishing as they are riveting. I love this chat. Clea is thoughtful, forthright, and really cool to talk to. So let's talk to her, shall we? Here's me and Clea and Nice having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers. The podcast.
2: Just finished a long uh, program where I became a pilot, and I got my last like little sticker and signature uh, this week. So it's a load off. And sorry, traffic. Um, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm excited to like work on music for a little bit here.
0: Yeah. Now, first of all, congratulations on on the the pilot. That's amazing. Um, how long was that? particular dream germinating?
2: Uh, I became a flight attendant in 2010. Um, I was pretty young and I never thought I would, I didn't think I could be a flight attendant. I didn't think I was tall enough, blonde enough, you know, friendly enough. And, uh, but I did. And then um, through the experience of traveling and just kind of being around pilots a lot, I eventually began to think that I should try. Um, So I kind of came to a juncture in my life where a lot of things were falling apart. And at the same time, it was this opportunity where I could um, kind of reinvent myself a little bit. And I decided I would try flying and I loved it. And so I packed up my home in Toronto and I moved to Moncton which is very far on the east coast of Canada and pretty small. I didn't really know anybody here and I enrolled in an extremely intense full-time program to become a commercial or an airline pilot.
0: It's interesting to hear you say that things were falling apart and so you responded in this way because a lot of people would respond a different way. <laughs> I've never heard this this particular response, and I really like it. Um, how are you when when things are falling apart? When things go a bit heavy in your life, do you typically respond creatively or um, not entrepreneurially, but but um, in a way that challenges yourself? Because it seems like the the reflex to shut down is not is not you.
2: Um. Well. I grew up in a home where the emphasis was definitely placed on, you know, powering through and, you know, working. We never stopped working. I will say that my mom has an insane work ethic, and despite whatever was happening, she, you know, she's a painter and she just like powered through. And I don't necessarily know that that's a good coping mechanism, but there is kind of some rationale to it as well because a lot of things were impacting my life that I could not control and I think sometimes you get to this juncture where you're like do I let these things external these external things define who I am or do I choose how I want to define myself in this situation and so that was what I had control over I had control over I was supposed to I was looking at buying a home with my partner at the time and that wasn't on the table but I had a damaged or a down payment so I decided I was going to educate myself.
0: When things go poorly and everyone who's listening has had moments, days, weeks, months, hours that are awful. Um and the response to that is sometimes You go completely out of your mind in the sense that you don't have conscious thought because you're only thinking about the pain that's happened to you. Um, But the fact that you were saying that you consciously were thinking, okay, here's what I have control over. Was that fairly immediate or did it take you a little while to get there?
2: Um, there there, There was a long kind of nine month period of experiencing a lot of pain. lot of reasons um and what i found was that in order to not do deconstructive things in my life i had to reorient that kind of energy into doing things that were like still busy work but i could choose to be positive so i ran i ran all of the time Um, you know i would wake up and if i couldn't sleep i would go to the gym at four in the morning and i would run um and this was an extension of that um becoming a pilot was a way to focus a lot of energy that i had in a way that was productive not counterproductive to myself
0: yeah and that sort of need to go to the gym that need for speed um getting into the air and uh, establishing speed in the sky, right, it seems like it's almost like a um a thirst for uh momentum of some kind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, yeah, definitely. I don't know if that's the best way to cope, but it definitely, <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely takes you on a journey, right?
0: Yeah, it's funny I, my My mother was a therapist, and I imagined that there was never a moment. Where a client may have come to her with a problem, and she would have said to them, "Now have you thought about getting your pilot's license <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. i I love what you're saying because I feel the real if you strip it back, it really is the challenge, the idea of it's it's reinvention, it's challenging yourself, and it really does put your energy, which could really become you know harmful in the sense that emotionally harmful or um, destructive, like you were saying and it puts it to a really positive place.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm on the back end of this now and, you know, to become a pilot during COVID was possibly the worst timing ever. Um, Somebody somewhere is laughing
1: uh,
2: (laughs) at me in the sky. But anyways, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of working through the idea that you're graduating and there are no jobs and there's no career there anymore. And again, it's, you know, it's sad, but at the same time, it's this like secret little doorway for me to work on music and transition energy into something else that I love and care about for a little bit of time. So there's always like that gift there if you find it, if you're looking for it, I think.
0: It's a tricky thing because now you have two occupations that are very challenged during during the covid time obviously as a creative person you can write and you can record um but playing live becomes tricky and um so in terms of your of your anxiety level about right about like putting food on the table putting money in the bank surviving even with two incredibly you know um amazing and and uh you know noble jobs Um, How has your your anxiety level been around that whole practical life stuff?
2: Well, I must say that as a Canadian, I'm super grateful for the like small amount of funding that is accessible to me. Because I was laid off as a flight attendant um, when COVID happened. So like things like EI or benefits, that can just like just get me by, I can feed myself. Um, and, you know, I just try to remember that this moment is temporary. It's going to be over so quickly, like life in its fullness and its speed will resume so much faster than we think, and so I'm just trying to honestly cherish these moments where I can be at home, and I can uh, write an article, or I can you know, work on a track, or I can try recording myself at home, which is, is its own new adventure. So,
0: are you the kind of person that? They're really. You don't seem like the kind of person who would be binging show after show. And you seem very productive. You don't seem like a binge watching. Uh, you know, time doesn't appear to be wasted in in your in your life.
2: I I'm the kind of person that does the, like full day worth of work, I wake up and I work until 3am and then I go to bed and then I wake up and then I work. But in between that, as a student, um, I try to watch things that are light and easy and are a break, um, as opposed to like something dramatic that I'll get sucked into. Um, but also for my own mental health, I think You know, the things that inspire me to write music are often things that you have to reckon with emotionally or are hard to process as a human. And I think that's an amazing part of creating art. Art is a way to process and reflect and share on the harder things. Um, But for my own mental health on a day-to-day level, I will put on a comedy because that is what uplifts me, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like a nice uh, balance too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? um, in terms of your creative process, how how has that been? Have you found yourself that you've been pretty productive in the last year creatively?
2: Um, in kind of like stops and starts and when it's required. Because school has been so demanding. Um when I'm in school, it just absorbs kind of every facet of my existence. Uh because it's becoming a pilot was very it was counterintuitive to me. It's not those aren't things that I naturally gravitate towards. There's a lot of, you know, like physics uh and math and flight theory and engines and parts and you know, those weren't things that I was well versed in prior. So, um, I really have to dedicate a lot of time to that. And I think to really succeed at something, or at least for me, I like to just be in it like a hundred percent, let it absorb me and, you know, get the most out of a thing. Um, So when I have breaks, I will work really hard at art and music and I guess the process of creating an album kind of aligns with that. Like we recorded over the winter break um, in Calgary and in LA. And then when I went back to school over the spring, the tracks were kind of getting mixed and I was, you know, responding with people online. Um, And then we moved into kind of this music video process. And so, you know, working in COVID on the videos has been very much an online process um, that I can kind of pick up here and there. Um, Yeah, so it's kind of like pieced together. But now that we're actually releasing a couple of tracks, it's really a full time job. Uh, The amount of, you know, creative content that you have to put up that you have to edit, you know, I'm editing video, I'm editing audio. Um, I'm emailing with a billion people. It's, it's a full time job
0: yeah you're wearing a lot of hats i mean you you have to be the artist and you have to be the the agent who handles the artist in many in many ways which is yourself right um i'm in that phase now where i just i just finished my my newest novel and now i'm in the process of trying to market it and it's not as much fun as the creative process
2: definitely it's it's so funny well, I guess this is just part of being a creative in this era is that so much of it involves a presence, you know, online presence and you have different outlets and then you have a website and, you know, you're... So much of it has to do with visibility. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, harder to just focus on the work, I think, than it was maybe 50 years ago.
0: Are there days where you think, like, oh, wow, this Instagram thing is really working, and other days where you go, this isn't working at all?
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Most days, I think this isn't working at all. Um, I know. But then, today, I put up a reel, because reels are the new thing, and, uh, you know, but in between the time that I put up the reel and then put up the post about the same thing, like 1400 people had viewed the reel and i was really surprised
0: <laughs> a lot of people
2: yeah that never happens to me though um but yeah it's it's funny it's it's instagram is as much of a science as anything else and i don't know if everybody approaches it that way or even if anybody really can like that's mm-hmm. that's the advantage that a proper pr firm or a professional has versus everybody else trying to use it. They have a strategy.
0: Right. 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 Exactly. And there's also that sort of, um, that dilemma where you post something and you think, well, that's going to be, that's going to be a good one. And then nothing happens. And then you go, all right, I guess I got to come up with something else the next day, you know? Um, yeah, and
2: it, it might not even be about content. It might even just be like, did it arrive, you know, into the timeline at the right time?
0: Right, 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 exactly. Um, that is so true and and timing really is everything um, the What were the conversations that you've had with other friends of yours who are artists of any kind um, over the last year? Um, has there been a, a sort of uh, discernible terror uh, about about the, their futures and about how they're handling? the current situation? Or have you had those conversations?
2: I think there has been. I think that it has been incredibly hard for a lot of people. And most people who I have spoken to have really struggled, Um, you know. There's the struggle of kind of involuntarily losing your life, which we talked about. Um, There's, you know, the added issue of not socializing when you may be experiencing kind of low feelings and socializing helps that um you know and then there's this other pressure which is like i finally have all this time am i being productive enough and then there's this idea that like when you have like no conception of time and it goes on and on and on you tend to become less productive so i think it's been a really hard experience, but it's also been a growth experience. A lot of people have reoriented their work, um, they're they're reorienting their careers. A lot of people are going back to school. Um, A lot of social issues have had the time to really be present in people's lives. Um, And, you know, hopefully that reorients us towards a better future. Um, And, you know, I keep I keep talking with people. I really think this will all will all be at shows so soon. It's gonna happen so soon. Um, so I guess yeah. Use use the COVID time you have left.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. I like your optimism, and I think that sounds incredibly hopeful. You did, have you felt supported. Um, you said your mother's an artist. Have you, did you feel supported uh, by your parents for an artistic life? Um,
2: it's funny. My, my father was a dancer and my mom paints and she had, she is a very successful visual artist. Um, and all, I'm the fifth of five sisters and, all four of the sisters that grew up in my home played music. They were all much older than me, and the pressure was on. And the sister who's closest to me in age, seven years older than me, she went to Juilliard and then to Yale, and you know has a PhD in conducting, um, and really kind of hit all the milestones in the classical world. And so. As the child following that, like there was never anything that I was gonna do that would be enough. Um, and I think they were also tired of pushing. Um, and so when I started moving into this world of writing indie music and playing folk festivals um, and setting up tours, because really everything I've done has been kind of in the indie indie self-propelled realm. I don't think it made sense to them, Um, but progressively over time, they have come to appreciate it. Um, And I do think my father passed away two uh, two years ago around that time that I was talking about, Um, but I think that they are proud. I think that he was proud. I remember the last show that he came to, and he was proud, and I think my mom has really, like, come around to where I'm at, Um, and they appreciate the work that I do, so.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear about your father, Um, and I wonder what he would say about you flying a plane now. I, I bet he'd be pretty astounded by that.
2: He would have loved it, and I really wish that I could have bring him on a plane ride you know he would have loved that
0: a lot it was your mother um supportive of that or was she also like any parent a little bit terrified
2: oh no not at all
0: really
2: <laughs> when you have that many kids you can afford to lose one right <laughs> <laughs> no she was stoked she is proud of me she loves that i became a pilot that's like exactly what she can talk to her friends about um, and uh yeah i think i would love to bring her for a plane ride too i think she would be terrified but it would be fun and she supported me every step of the way through that process so i feel very lucky
0: how do you feel about the balance um i've been in situations uh where i'm you know i and this is the the nature of living in uh, the bay area uh, in california it's you know i i teach college So I teach university in the daytime, and I teach tennis to kids in the afternoons. And there have been times where my college students will see me on the tennis court because everything's kind of nearby. And I'm always, ashamed is the wrong word, but I'm a little bit embarrassed because I think like, I don't want someone to think I'm not invested in the thing that they know me as right it's sort of like I always think like I explain to my friends they think I'm crazy but I'm like well if you saw your doctor teaching a yoga class you might think maybe he should spend more time on the medical side of things than teaching yoga but then again now that I'm saying it out loud perhaps that would be a nice balance but for (laughs) me the the balance has always been tricky and a little bit uncomfortable um what about for you are in terms of these two worlds are they're very different um how do you feel about the balance of the two especially if it's like uh you know you have to tour at what, say touring does come back you're going to be touring you're going to be flying how do you feel about that sort of shift between those two those two separate worlds um
2: well when i was a flight attendant, it paired beautifully with touring um you know, like I could get six weeks off and not have to speak to my boss and, you know, travel for a discounted rate, which was amazing. So eventually I hope that, you know, the pilot thing works out and that I have that freedom again. Um, but, you know, in terms of shame, I, I, I feel like I have over time, realized that if I cared too much about what everybody else thought or felt, I would not be doing the things that I was doing. You know, I was in my we started with maybe 25 people in my class, and we graduated with 12. And I was the only woman. And I have a mixed background. Um, If I really cared and let that hold me back, then I wouldn't have been there um you know it's the same in indie bands i've been playing in bands for forever and it's truly it is has been you know a male dominated experience for me um you just have to show up and do the thing that you want to do and the people who see that will get on board with you and the people who don't will see you later and be impressed or get on board and if they don't
0: That's their loss. Right, and I love hearing you say that because I think that for my audience is, um, there's a lot of creative aspirants, people who are, you know, thinking about um, embarking on a career in the creative arts and who are currently creating now in the beginning of their careers, um, whether they are singing, dancing, painting, writing. and I love hearing you say that that kind of being that self-possessed and that assured um, but that's that's a hard-fought place to be were you always that self-possessed or did it take some time for you to feel like you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna be true to who I am I don't really care what people think
2: well I think for me being the youngest child again in like a big family everybody had an opinion and at a certain <laughs> point you have to say, well, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is how I feel. I appreciate all of the wisdom and the knowledge and, you know, the perspective, and I will use that to shape what I'm doing. And this is where I'm at and what I would like and how I would like to express myself. But what I would say to, you know, the new creative is that if you do not feel like you are enough or doing enough or you're getting it right or it's awkward, I'm telling you now that you're doing it right, you know, it's a growth process. If there should never really be a point in the creative portion of that process where you aren't asking yourself like, where am I and what am I doing and does this feel right and how does this align and am I growing? And you should always be able to look back and feel like, okay, well, I've grown since there. When, when you're comfortable, is your work creating impact the way that you want it to create impact? Um, you know, when you're performing, hopefully you've practiced it enough to feel a little bit more comfortable, but in the creative process, if you have insecurity, then be assured by that, because you're working through who you are, through that creative process.
0: Look at your on stage performances, your videos, your any any clip I've seen of you, there is a bold theatricality to what you do. Um, that that brings to mind to me the sort of you're in the vein of Bowie, Annie Lennox, uh, Kate Bush, that sort of idea Bjork, where there's a there's a theatricality, there's a performative element to what you're doing, of course but there's also kind of artistic boldness, um, whether it's the makeup or the costume or the, right? And I really, I love that. Can you talk a little bit about where you are and how you landed on that sort of decision artistically?
2: Oh gosh, I don't think I have any self-perception of any of those things.
0: (laughs) I'll do that for you.
2: I truly don't. I mean, I'm so flattered. I think I just show up and try to not think about myself too much. Like I try very, I try very hard to not worry about how I look, because that is something that will psych me out. And at the end of the day, how I look to people is not necessarily central to what I'm trying to say to people. And I am more focused on the, the output, the flow of the message than the response, perhaps. But I guess that's a COVID thing, too, because all you get is little hearts. Right. Thumbs down. <laughs>
0: thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> I know. And the, and the thumbs down hurts a lot more than the thumbs up feels good.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's how we're built, though, as humans, right? It's you know so that we're, yeah. we're, we're We're trained to feel the hurt and remember it as a warning rather than focus on the joy.
0: Yeah, if you if you do a show and 400 people walk by and say to you, that was just life altering, then the last person comes out and goes, what was that about? That's all you remember.
1: True. <laughs> right?
0: <It's> true. <laughs> so, so that sort of theatrical element that I'm sort of picking up on is not conscious. It seems like you like to play around a little bit with color and costume. Um, but is that not, is that not something you're sort of really conscious of doing? It's more, it's part of the, just an expressive element?
2: Yeah, I think that's just something that happens, to be honest. I'm not, I'm not too focused on that, I suppose. I feel like the wonderful women in my life, uh, will kind of give me nudges in certain directions or will lend me clothing pieces and I'll be like, okay, I'll put this on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's not, it's not my main focus, I would say.
0: Yeah, that art direction element, I think the people I mentioned, you know, any Lennox Bjork, they sort of see that as part of the, as much a part of the performance as, um, as the music, it sort of like either it augments or it is a companion to that and that's just not that's not where your headspace is
2: i would love for my headspace to be there and i will think about that and i would love to have the time and opportunity to focus more on that but you know as like a you know student musician there's also this question of budget yeah. and and so really in a lot of ways i'm a minimalist and i don't i don't spend money on collecting
0: clothes or any of that. Are you pretty good at improvising with the resources that you have available to you to make them look like you have more of a budget than perhaps is available?
2: 100 (laughs) percent. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly how this works. (laughs) (laughs) Well
0: you do it very well.
2: I love, I'm so flattered by those references because I would love to operate visually at a scale like Bjork or Bowie, it would be amazing, Um, that would be the dream.
0: Well, it's also really interesting to think about how those two people, um, and also the other ones that I, that I mentioned, how their music, as their music expanded so did that sort of visual palette that sort of also expanded with like Bjork, if you look at the early stuff with the sugar cubes, was fairly minimalist. Mm. Um, it was definitely conceptual in, a, in, in many sort of, in a, not a primitive way, but in a, in a sort of a spare way. But as she progressed in her career, it just became like, you know, theatrical times a thousand. I mean, it's just something so visually stunning. And it really is a compliment to the music. you can see how they're they're kind of two sides of the same of the same thing um so hopefully as you as you <laughs> as you can go, you can sort of play around with that, but I know what you mean. you have to sort of work with what you have.
2: yeah, that would be amazing. I mean, it just in thinking about that, like you know you might start with an idea or a lyric or you know a riff or something and the music process is interesting because you can create these amazing recordings but I guess the era of just sitting down and listening to vinyl has shifted a little bit and so in sharing music there really is a requirement now to have the visual component to have a music video or to have that kind of presentation Um, and I guess how, how can you create that extension of the mess of the initial message is the question
0: yeah and it's really tricky because i mean you've just hit on the real dilemma and i think that you know freddie mercury never needed TikTok, right mm-hmm. i mean and and really queen queen got huge before mtv so he didn't need that either and so you wonder like i was watching um I was watching some TikTok videos the other day and I thought, like, these are amazing productions. And they're like 25 seconds. And I think, like, that's a lot of work for 25 seconds mm-hmm. or, or whatever it might be. Um, and oftentimes I'm distracted where I'll say, like, well, that person has a really nice house. <laughs> I'll be distracted by that. Um, which is a clear sign for me that I'm getting older. Because I think in the old days, I would think oh, that person's attractive or they're really good at what they do. Now I'm thinking, why do they have such a large house? That's <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, but there seems to be a lot of effort put into those kinds of things. And the production quality of a lot of the TikTok videos are actually quite good. And, um, but it's a lot of work. I think it's so much work to do. I, don't, I just, I mean, good God, are you up for something like that?
2: uh yeah i don't know and it's and it's kind of interesting cuz that content is like so disposable it's short our yeah. attention span is so short and i was having a discussion with somebody about the structure of the narrative and so with the tiktok you have like shock value cuz you need to retain that person right away right. and right. like there's shock value and they're like this is what's going to happen and they give you the punchline at the beginning and then you kind of are gets you're stuck waiting for the punchline to the end and that's the most effective way of retaining attention for 15 seconds you know because you get the extra boost if you have your whole video played um and that's a product of the algorithm um but it does really shift the content form it's not like a slow build of a narrative you know to the culminative point. Um, Yeah, it it definitely changes how we consume things and in putting, in releasing music videos and reels and photos and stories, and I was briefly on TikTok, I kind of have stopped for a while. Um, I really kind of, continue to gravitate to slightly longer forms of expression, because it's not just a space filler for me as a creative person, it's about intent and message. And it is achievable in a TikTok, but it just doesn't necessarily align for me in the same way. There's something equally as, fascinating about a 45 minute long podcast and a conversation with depth or an interview um or watching somebody dance through a whole piece and watch them transition through those emotions
0: yeah i'm i'm interested in long form as well and having you know having grown up in the early 80s i found that compared to now movies for example if there was like a horror mo- movie somebody wouldn't get killed for like 30 or 35 minutes there would actually be exposition <laughs> right like oh look like in friday the 13th which is like an absurd thing to re-referencing but sort of like they take the time to show the people going to the camps like 30 minutes before there's any kind of terror yeah. um and so you have a kind of build-up i noticed that in a lot of european horror films too um that just comes to mind um you know uh, here on a friday morning but there, there's something to, to be said about exposition. There's something to be said about getting to know um, the the art, the artist that you're working with. And so I do, I do like the idea of longer form things. And watching TikTok videos, I've noticed my brain is starting to get rewired for like, where's the thing that's going to happen? Come on, it's been fifteen seconds. Pick it up. Mm-hmm. I don't know I'm- if I like that.
2: I'm so curious about, you know, 30 years from now, what the impact will be for attention span and the way that we process living. Um, There's something beautiful about like the nuance of how how a character shifts over time and that isn't lost in those pieces kind
0: of. Yeah, and I think that immediacy is overrated. You know, I think that, for example, you shouldn't marry someone after one date, right? like well, that went well where where should we get married <laughs> like that's not a good idea um you, These kinds of impulsive decisions that come from impatience, and I worry that we like for example, some of my favorite albums were not my favorite albums after the first fifteen listens,
2: oh, yeah, for sure, but then also, you used to have to listen to a whole album
0: <laughs> I <know>. I <laughs> like
2: know. it used to be. A, And an album in and of itself was a process, you know, and you would design an album in a way that it had an arc, like all the tracks had an arc. Um, And that's just kind of not relevant anymore.
0: No, it's a journey. It's like a novelistic journey. Can you think of an album you as a kid that you listened to front to back that always just staggered you in terms of its arrangement, its sequencing, its experience?
2: Oh, that's a very, that's a good question. Hmm. I mean, when I was really little, probably the Bell and Sebastian records, um, they would take you through journeys. I remember when I was little, like, I don't know, under the age of 10, uh, I kind of started writing lyrics. I would just run a track over and over and write. And that was like the beginning of writing lyrically for me.
0: Yeah, I listened to. I remember if you're feeling sinister, it came out when I was in graduate school, and I thought, "Oh, this reminds me of The Queen Is Dead. This reminds me of The Head on the Door. This is like this is an, an experiential album."
2: Hmm. Hmm. And I guess too, like all of the Radiohead stuff, like you would, the, it would be a journey. Those records would be a journey. Um. Whereas now really it's just kind of like a a single
0: world. I know, and I've talked to musicians who are sort of deciding that, okay, I'm I'm gonna be a single musician. I'm gonna put out, I'm gonna put a song out rather than put an album out. And then when I have 12 songs, I'll just call that an album. And that kind of, I totally understand that, I really do. Um, But it bums me out because I feel like let's not lose track of the beauty and the power that you have, the narrative control you have of constructing an album.
2: It's, uh, it's really countered by the fact that to succeed in this marketing atmosphere where you have to be present on all of the things all the time, like you are rewarded in terms of viewability. If you're posting stories every day, if you are presenting new material, And so you can get a lot more traction out of a thing if you split it up into lots of little pieces. And unfortunately that success is tied with how successful your record will be because viewability is how you are kind of rewarded. And that's how you're rewarded by like Spotify or rewarded by Apple Music. And in the Canadian granting system or granting systems all over the world, um, often they look at how many streams you have, how many plays you have, how many followers you have on certain platforms, and that will allow you access to different levels of funding. So it 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 kind of disincentivizes taking a year off and living in a cabin and working on a piece of art, which is kind of the, the artist's way. Um, you know, you're reoriented towards, you know, being present all the time. Um, And that, that is, that was a battle for me initially. And I think that's also a piece of, you know, this idea of like caring about how I look if I have to post something every day. (laughs) I just can't, I just can't. I'm sorry. I, I know I perhaps should be more precious, but I cannot (laughs) be bothered to fix this face. Uh, for a 15 second story post, um, so you get what you see. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I told I told your publicist. Uh, that she's, do you use the video? I said, no one wants to look at me for 45 minutes. But they, but I definitely feel because. And what can I do about? It? I'm a 50 year old guy in California. And this is just the way it's going to be. And uh, I'm I've become very comfortable with that with that idea because what can I do about it? And I get what you're saying. And that would be just a whole new level of concern and worry and anxiety and it's just not worth the effort
2: no i feel like i always just come back to what is the work that i want to be creating and try to put my energy into that and the rest can kind of orbit around it and you just have to do the best you can with this content that you care about
0: right you seem to me that you have always been very disciplined in your life based on, on what I know about you. Um is that perception true? Were you the kind of person as a young kid who could take your instrument and practice for, you know, where suddenly it's dark outside. Were you that that character?
2: I was a child who who whose mother was terribly concerned that they had ADHD. <laughs> um I I have a terrible focus and um, what I do is I put in long hours and, you know, like the Dawn Till dusk method for me means that something will happen, you know? And I make a lot of lists and that has really helped me in my life. But of a, I was definitely not a disciplined child. I was like a little shit disturber who wanted to be a clown in the class and got in trouble and couldn't focus and you know. But my 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 parents like we had a regimented schedule growing up and you know, I would wake up, I'd practice cello for an hour, I'd practice piano for an hour, I would do Kumon math, I had a timer set for breakfast. Um, we got spanked if we didn't finish our meals. You know, like every, everything was kind of organized perhaps in a way because my mom's British where you have to spend the least amount of time with your child, but they are in a structured activity. Um, and yeah, I think that that has stayed with me.
0: A timer for breakfast.
2: Mm, (laughs) Mmm, (laughs) yep.
0: Meaning you have this much time to eat or it's time to eat?
2: Oh no, like you have this much time
0: to eat. (laughs) Oh my God, that seems so weird. So did that, was that stressful? Like I better really eat this English muffin quickly.
2: Yes, it was very stressful. Um, I'm kind of like, I wouldn't say everything was always rosy because it wasn't, you know, there is a lot of um, a lot to work through mentally and emotionally. But at the same time, I think if you grow up in circumstances that are challenging often, that sets you up for being the kind of person who processes or analyzes or considers who they are in relation to the world, um, you know, gratitude and all these things come from work having having to work you know and not having everything handed to you
0: can you talk a little bit about your Canadian identity do you feel that being Canadian because um, a lot of times you'll you'll hear um, like for American bands or American musicians sometimes they'll be referred to as being uniquely American. Um, Hmm. Do you feel that there is a kind of Canadian sensibility to what you do or is your work informed by being Canadian?
2: I don't necessarily think so, not really. Um, Like the culture of indie music in the city that I grew up in in Calgary was very much more rock and roll. And I don't know that what I aspired to do, or what I was doing with my other projects, like I was in a band called Rally, that was really like proggy. Um, I don't know that it ever kind of aligned with that. And perhaps that was because both of my parents immigrated to Canada. I'm a first generation Canadian. And so what I was listening to at home was not necessarily what was uh, Canadian. yeah, yeah.
0: How about your parents' backgrounds? Did that also inform you in any way? Like, for example, having a British mother, um, her record collection, or um, or your your father was from where?
2: He's he's from Mauritius, near Madagascar and the Seychelles Islands, um, and he was into ballroom dancing, and so um, kind of consideration of rhythm, maybe. Uh, whereas my mom, she really we kind of grew up on a classical music diet, uh, but she also loved jazz and, you know, like listening to Nina Simone or Ella Fitzgerald, that kind of stuff um, definitely informed what I love. I think there is an element of phrasing um, in this, new record or the works that i've been working on which is solo work as opposed to like the band work that i was previously a major collaborator with um it really does consider phrasing and melody uh from a vocal aspect that kind of aligns with lis- that kind of listening that i did when i was younger
0: i love what you said that phrase the consideration of rhythm that's a, a very cool phrase yeah, because I imagine where, where your father hails from, there is a. I imagine the music has a real rhythmic element to oh, it.
2: For sure, yeah, a lot of groove and like um, hip movement.
0: Yeah, yeah. He so he was a professional dancer. Is that was that he?
2: Yeah, he he did a lot of ballroom dancing. He taught and he did competitions. Um, but when he came to Canada, eventually it kind of moved out of his life and he worked at the University of Calgary and my mom still paints and gets up early every day. She's, the only thing she's religious about is her schedule.
0: (laughs) Does she still set her timer for breakfast?
2: I think COVID actually she's been pretty slack, um, (laughs) you know, sleeping in and all that, but um, yeah, I do honestly. I can't even imagine, you know, like to have so many children at home. It would be a lot. I don't I don't necessarily blame them for wanting to schedule us so that they could they could continue to be human.
0: Yeah, because really the consideration of rhythm that you were talking about applies to managing a family.
2: Yeah, true.
0: So you have to have a rhythm, otherwise it's a mess.
2: It's, yeah, 100%. And right. how do you how do you carve out that like small piece of time for yourself to work on the things, things that you care about? It's very hard. I think parents yeah. have the hardest job. Yeah, I think you hit a threshold where they start to, you know, take care of each other, I guess is the idea, but the, probably the two to three range is difficult.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, what happens first? You get on stage or you fly a plane? What do you think? What's your prediction?
2: Oh, that is a very hard prediction. I really hope I get a job. <laughs> that would be nice as a pilot. Um, I'm curious, will I be recalled as a flight attendant before I get a pilot job? Who knows? Um, I will probably play music first, is my guess, because Especially in the area where I am in, in Canada, COVID is not so bad. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good situation here. Um, I think, probably, yes, almost 100% sure. I'm starting grad school in May, so back in school soon. Yeah. What?
0: <laughs> you, you don't stop. What, what are you going to graduate school for?
2: Uh, I'm doing a counseling psychology program. Yeah, and I'm so excited about it because I'm really interested in this stuff. So I think it'll be fun.
0: Unbelievable. I mean, because you one would think, okay, she has this music career, she got her pilot's license. Okay, that's good. But for you, it's more, 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 and a totally different discipline. I love hearing that. Um that you're taking that on. is just remarkable.
2: I guess you had to feed your brain.
0: I know. What's the ultimate goal with that?
2: With that? No, it would be nice to if the pilot flight attendant thing works out um, then to have a position in the company where I could work on improving mental health because mental health for both for people in the airline industry and for musicians the, you know there are two groups that could really use more support with mental health and so it would be nice to get back to my communities that way.
0: I heard that. In L.A., there is a therapist who is uniquely um, there for comedians. Oh, So she works exclusively with comics because comics, obviously, as artists are, you know, have a lot of tears of a clown situations. Um, I think that the music industry could use a couple of those as well. Maybe it even exists and I don't know about it um, because it's a very difficult life and it has its sort of, highs and lows and periods of what is going on. And I think that having somebody in that capacity would be really helpful. It's so like what you're saying for that industry. I think it's a really therapists that are tailored for certain disciplines and vocations, I think is really smart.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're both kind of careers where it's not like you have a nine to five Mm-mm. and you exist on a regular kind of rhythm. And so you really end up pushing yourself and burning, crashing and burning Um, and, you know, working for the high of a release or the high, you know, or as a pilot, like you were gone on the road and then you come home and crash. Um, So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're a joy to talk to. This has been really interesting.
2: Oh, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for taking the time. And I love the music and I love what you're doing. And I find um, you so inspiring because it's sort of like the idea that, it's good for people to hear this, that you just keep pushing yourself in new and different intellectual ways and artistic ways. And I mean, I think that's the secret to life.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't wait until everything is perfect. You just have to just go, you just try.
0: Yeah. Thank you, you're, you're the best. I, I, I really do appreciate you taking this, this time to go deep with me, and thank you for being so open um, with my questions. Thank you. Hopefully I'll get to talk to you again sometime. I'd love to have you back on the show. Awesome, talk to you soon, bye. I enjoyed that conversation i found talking to her to be very calming very soothing she's great uh do yourself a favor and uh, get acquainted with her even further go to her website cleaenice.com i'm going to spell it for you cuz i'd want someone to do that for me cuz i know i'd screw it up cleaenice.com is c-l-e-a-a-n-a-i-s.com wait did i do that right for there was a lot of a's let's try it again no I got it, right? Clea, C-L-E-A, and then Anise, A-N-A-I-S. Yeah, I got it. I got it right. Boy, I went into a little bit of uh, vowel panic. Visit me at alexgreenonline.com. Find out what's going on with me. Although, if you're a fan of the program, you know if something's happening, you're going to hear it first here. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at EmbersEditor or on Instagram at EmbersPodcast or just email me, editor. At stereoembersmagazine.com. Go to bombshellradio.com. Find out what makes us tick. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use. Subscribe. Uh, you know, give us a rating, maybe a nice comment or two. We read them and tell all your friends. We can't take over the world if you don't tell all your friends. That's our strategy. Word of mouth, one person at a time. Sure, we're playing the long game, uh, but we're committed. That's how we're going to do it. Is it the best strategy? Probably not, but uh, that's that's what we've committed to, and that's what we're doing. So spread the word for us, and we will appreciate it. Uh, let's close the show with a longer listen to Clea Anise's Hazy Days. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast, only right here on Bombshell Radio. Our
1: lives away. True.